0: I really personally believe the suffering is a reason to change. When I do get into my personal story and people tell me oh I'm so sorry that you've been all of in, through all of that and that you've experienced that at such a young age, I, it makes me smile so much because I, I genuinely feel in love with everything that I experienced. Like I feel in love with, oh, with all the suffering that I experienced. We cannot control everything. Actually, the only thing that you can truly control is yourself and what's interesting about this sense of personal responsibility there's a need to really let go of of this fear that kind of people thinking that the universe is out to get you it's not out to get you (laughs) it's just not and if you really look i think most people if they get to i hope most people get to a point in their life where they can look back and truly appreciate everything that has happened to them or for them, depending on how you look at it. I really see that things have happened for me, not to me. Something happens and it's a bad thing and it shouldn't have happened. What makes you think that? Really getting down into questioning every single judgment that you make about your life. Why do you think that's a bad thing? If you judge it as a bad thing, you're, you're actually closing yourself off to the opportunity of turning it into something that can help you grow.
1: Today, we're joined by Ren Shui practitioner Nina Jutras to listen to her story of resilience, personal responsibility, and growth in the face of adversity. Nina shares that she grew up with a chronic illness that came to define her identity, even as she did everything she could to cope with it and lead a normal life. In a seeming paradox, as much as she tried to escape her illness, she also didn't want to let it go, as she didn't know who she was without it, What changed and created the footing for her to lead her now healthy life? How did her community and spiritual practice put her on a path towards a more holistic life? What role did finding personal responsibility play in her journey? And finally, how do we find our own balance between personal responsibility and an overextended sense of control? Nina muses that we often have to reach our own version of a breaking point to spark real change, as suffering can be a reason to inspire fundamental change. From there, we can cultivate our sense of personal responsibility, shape the narrative that the universe is out to get us, and instead, recognize that we can learn and grow from everything that crosses our way. Join us in tuning in to the inspiring story of Nina's ongoing pursuit of vibrant, holistic living.
2: Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Woven Wings Live, where we bring you wisdom and tools for vibrant living. And I'm Gabe Crane. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Rahul Didwania. And if you enjoy listening to us, please share our podcast with a friend or leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also join our newsletter, which is linked in the show description, to follow along the journey. And today our topic is healing from chronic illness using Renshui. And our guest is Nina Jutras. And we are going to be diving into Nina's personal story today about her own journey and recovery from chronic illness. And I think, you know, that this episode has some echoes with other episodes that we've done in the past, although we haven't done anything quite like this. We have had other Renshui practitioners on the show, which is a system based in Qigong that I also teach and practice. Those guests have included Norberto Rodriguez um, and Jackie Blunt, who are both excellent episodes. Um, our episode with Jackie, I believe, is out on our YouTube channel uh, this week. If you search Woven Wings Live, you can hear about Jackie's own experience transitioning as a general practitioner, a doctor. And becoming more of a holistic practitioner through Renshui, and today, you know, Nina is bringing us kind of a different dimension of that. It also reminds me of an art, uh, an episode we did with Aisha Malik um, a long time ago, about a year and a half ago, about healing and just the process of what it is when we face adversity, when we face health challenges, and really looking at how do we meet them, transform them, and go beyond them. And it's, uh, of course, different for everybody, um, but I'm sure everyone in their own way listening to this can relate to some dimension of this topic and this experience. And so um, before I go further, Rahul, I just want to bring you into the mix here and um, yeah, just say it's awesome being back here with you again. We're at the outset of our 2024 season here, which is exciting and fun. And yeah, I'm just curious for you when you relate with chronic illness, um, you think about that topic and, you know, your own experiences with it, what kind of comes up for you?
1: Thank you, Gabe. Yeah, great to be here again. And, you know, chronic, uh, so my, my my interest in this topic, I think, is twofold, right? One is, you mentioned, we're really going to be going into Nina's story. And I think it's always uh, interesting, fascinating, inspiring, you know, when talking to people who have uh navigated and and overcome some sort of adversity uh, and overcome or not right just even experiencing it and coming closer to that i think there's a lot to be learned from that and and i'm eager to get that uh, in, in this experience of talking to nina and then the second piece is you know you mentioned uh chronic illness and you know while i don't have necessarily as much direct Experience like day to day experience with chronic illness, um, and chronic illness of course can mean so many different things. Uh, I was thinking about how much chronic illness is around. You know the sort of the constellation of people in my community or people that are maybe one degree removed. You know, ranging from cancer in our family to some mental illnesses. You know, like like bipolar disorder. Um, you know, I was thinking of a friend who has like a lingering respiratory issue that may have been COVID before COVID was a thing, but that's persisted, you know, and has uh, limited sort of the scope of what what he considers possible in his life now in terms of just mobility and exercise and whatnot. Uh, just also then hearing a lot these days about long COVID, you know, even though COVID has sort of moved on from our regular day-to-day vernacular maybe. I think the lingering effects for certain people are real and serious and and persistent. Um, And so just tuning into some of those things, I was like, wow, yeah, like just the experience of living through something like that is uh, not something I've learned enough about and I'm eager to just uh, connect with that with Nina. And then this idea of, Healing from a chronic illness, right? Through a spiritual practice, uh, opens a door to just a lot of other questions, right? And just, I'm always fascinated by the potential connection between what the body might be experiencing from a physiological perspective and and how we think about that from like a scientific and, and medical perspective and how that's could be connected right and often it is connected to to the mind to our emotions to the soul i mean we touched on a lot of those things with jackie um but eager to dive into a lot of that with nina as well so just a number of uh themes that i'm curious to explore and uh, excited to get into uh with nina
2: yeah no thanks for sharing all that rahul i feel like it really kind of makes the topic a lot more real and. If you're listening, I, I hope everyone is vibrant and healthy in your life. Um, but I think your descriptions, Rahul, kind of highlighted that um, you know life is is complicated, and there's a lot of different uh, dynamics and challenges that can that exist out there um, that that really touch everyone, all of us. And so um, I think this is an opportunity today to kind of face that reality a little bit more head on. And also, um you know kind of amidst those examples that you shared, rahul, I think an important piece to pull out there is that illness is not just a physical thing um, and certainly, I'm sure Nina will talk about this uh, through the lens of Renshui, but Renshui is you know has a more holistic orientation uh as many different systems do to uh to looking at at health and illness and so when we when we think about chronic illness um Yes, it may manifest itself as a particular physical health condition, um, but it often uh, is taking place in our lives, um, you know, if we kind of expand the, the scope or the concept of chronic illness, to think about um, our habits, you know, our patterns of behavior, our different activities that kind of take us away from um, our vibrant selves, our, uh, you know, healthy, truly alive um, experience of life uh, within ourselves. And so that's another way to think about what we're looking at here today. And um, that might even be something that you can think if you're listening to this, well, how does this apply to uh, me? You know, um, whether you have a chronic illness or not, what are some of the dynamics that kind of continue on? And so let's jump into that a little bit more with Nina and see where this takes us. Um, but I want to uh, introduce Nina, um, our guest today. And Nina is an avid scuba diver uh, who was pursuing her studies and a career in marine biology before the health challenges we've been talking about changed her course. And she currently lives in Panama and works as a content manager for Ren Shui of the Americas, which is the body governing Ren Shui activities in North and Lat- North and South America. And in her own words, Nina says that in the past, she would have described herself as someone who has always had many questions and felt very lost and confused. She has experienced a lot of suffering and pain in this life. And at the same time, these challenges were exactly what she needed in order to find the answers she was looking for. And so um, Nina, I just want to say thanks so much for joining us and being willing to open up and share with us about your own journey and welcome to the show. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm very excited to be part of it. And yeah, that's pretty, um, pretty good introduction for the whole thing. Like even what you were both saying about chronic illness and how wide of a range that is. It's very interesting to go into that further. Definitely. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so just to, um, but in one second, we'll get into your story. But I, I'd love to hear, first of all, just from your perspective, how do you feel that um, sharing about your story can be of benefit to other people? Um, what, what is the benefit when we actually take time to share and talk about these things?
0: Um, for me, the main the main benefit that I see. That can maybe inspire uh, is really the fact that we are not hopeless, and we're not helpless, and we're not. We don't have to be a victim in our own lives of everything that happens to you, even health wise. Um, you know, some people just think they have bad luck, and um, and I think that's really interesting because when you start understanding the laws behind. Uh, yeah, but, well, I'm not going to, that's going to get into a deeper topic, but um, it's it's just interesting to understand that your life really is your own responsibility, and it always has been, um, but the ignorance that we carry with us for for the majority is really the thing that keeps us from taking responsibility and changing our lives. So really, I think for me, the most inspiring thing that I can share is that, no one is helpless. No one is hopeless, and no one is a victim of anything. In a, and this is this is a big topic too because it's not absolute. Nothing is black and white, but um, you really can take charge and change your life in the deepest, most real way. Like you really can if you have the right tools.
1: Well, what I love about what you're saying, Nina, is uh, that we started with this idea of like sharing a personal story, but what I'm hearing in your answer is. Uh, what it's like to rewrite your own story, right? And take it from one of, uh, you said hopelessness or or victimhood to one of, uh, agency, right? And holistic health and belief and vibrancy. And I think, uh, that's a lot of what we're pursuing, right? With the conversations we look to have on, on this show as well. Uh, and so with that, you know, we'd love to set the stage, uh, for ourselves and for our listeners. And if you could just, Take us through your story, right? And, and, you know, what were the, in particular, what were the health challenges uh, that you experienced and how did they come to be and how did they, you know, take shape in your life and, and even shape your life and mold your life during the period that, you know, that they were present? And would love to just uh, have that foundation.
0: Sounds good. Um, I'll try to stay on a more surface level. Um, just going through, yeah, kind of the external manifestations of those health, health issues and how they affected my life. Um, so the, 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 the worst of it started when I was 13, um, almost the first time that I got my, my cycle, my period was I had a hemorrhage, um, um, so a cyst rupture on my ov one of my ovaries and This was kind of the introduction into womanhood for me. (laughs) Um, So, not an easy start. Uh, And yeah, that lasted. It pretty much happened almost every month, every second month um, for almost 10 years. And yeah, I mean, I quickly, I I was quickly put on um, medication for pain. They never, they actually diagnosed me with endometriosis, uh, very advanced endometriosis when I was, I think, 17 or 18. So I went five years without knowing what it was. Like, it was just, all they could tell me was that I had cysts rupturing in my ovaries. Like, they would just grow and they would just rupture and I would have hemorrhages and just incredible agonizing pain almost every month. Um, So... I don't remember exactly how old I was, but maybe 14, 15 when I started, they put me on codeine. They sent me home with morphine. Um, So I was, I just became very, um, very used to escaping the real problem. And my life really started to revolve around just taking a lot of painkillers and just being constantly afraid of the pain. Um, and that really affected my social life, my schoolwork, my relationships. Like it just started shaping my life. Basically my life started to revolve around that. Um, and a lot of hospital trips, um, yeah, just this, like not knowing what it was and how to solve it was really, was really a big issue. Uh, and just Western Medicine in Canada just doesn't really have that big of a history with studying endometriosis and all of that, so they were um, they were not uh, it was not known to them really and they didn't know what the tests were to to test for that and it it wasn't really recognized as something serious or something valid I guess in a way like I would I think a lot of women have a lot of pain um, during their cycle. And it's just kind of pushed aside as like, well, you know, that's normal or a lot of women experience this, so it's fine. Um, but it's really not because it's not a way to live and your life starts to be really centered around that. So for 10 years, almost 10 years, um, my life was, I was a very sick person that always took painkillers regularly. Um, yeah. And it just affected everything. Like it really, it really had, a um, a cause effect relationship on everything in my life, including the studies that I wanted to do.
2: Yeah. yeah. I'm curious if you could just elaborate a little bit on that point, Nina, you know, you, you're describing the way that, um, the discovery of the, the, the health issues and led to medications. And then those medications kind of led to, an experience that really became all pervasive in your life. And I'm just wondering, could could you take us a little deeper into the experience of that or the way that, um, you know, something that, you know, is supposedly affecting one area of your life kind of ends up affecting everything?
0: Yeah, of course. So it's interesting because um, it actually became a huge part of my identity. I would almost say most of my identity really revolved around that. Like That was who I was. And I remember I even came to a point where I would warn people <laughs> when they got close to me, I would warn them that I can have these like very bad episodes and just in and out of the hospital. And um, I remember some of my close relationships would see me in, in states that were traumatizing for them because that's just not something that you deal with every day. So it really became who I was. Um, Being on painkillers became a habit, honestly. And I, it's hard to, it's hard to have uh, a real objective view over that time because I was just like, I wouldn't say, actually, this is interesting. I wouldn't say that I got addicted. I was warned a lot by the doctors that I was so young taking these very, very intense um, opioids. And they would warn me about getting addicted. But there was always a part of me that th- I always felt the calm down. And it always kind of, I think that's the thing that really made me not want to take it unless I actually needed it. Because I just, I didn't want that comedown. down. I always felt really bad. Um, so that was helpful, actually. <laughs> uh, if there wasn't a come a down with those drugs, I think I definitely would have been in danger with it. Uh, but I don't, I don't know what the deep effect it had on my brain, which was still very much developing and on my physical health on, on every part of my life. It just, it really, yeah. Like, I don't know if this is sort of the question that you were getting at, but it really, um, what's the word rippled. It had a ripple effect on everything. Uh, I just didn't know, I just didn't know why I was here and why me, right? This question always came back. Like I was looking around, I was, everyone told me that I looked like a healthy teenager. Um, and I was trying very, very hard to be like everyone else and just have a normal life. And it was actually making things a lot worse because the normal life that most people lead at that age as well is very, for the most part, unhealthy, it's just indulging. It's a lot of pleasure, a lot of trying things that are not healthy for your body and your mind. It's just a lot of, um, just kind of reckless behavior, I would say. And I really tried to fit in with that. And I did a lot of reckless things, but it definitely just made everything worse. So I felt like I belonged in a way, but my life was just getting worse and worse, like with that need to belong. Cause I just didn't know what to belong to because it was just so unhealthy, and it was just making me more sick. So, oh yeah, it was a whole thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you've really painted a very vivid picture, I think, of of what that stage of life was for you. And and I just have one follow up question because you know what I'm hearing is you you had this illness, right? That even medical science uh, where you were hadn't really taken seriously or figured out right? And that led to this identity of basically being built around pain management and uh, all the thoughts that came with that. You know, you you mentioned at the outset of the show, feeling like a victim, right? I think why me, right? Really, I imagine captures that, that essence of that victim mindset. Um, I, I'm curious if you, you could paint a little bit more around the stories uh, that you had, you know, going in your mind at the time and also like, which what- you know what were you using, which stories or internal dialogues? what were you using to cope uh with this experience? right? It sounded like th- there's a a level of seeking belonging and even doing the things that we do at that age to find belonging, but obviously, you were doing that with this pain experience you know in in as as your companion through everything that you were doing, and how did you cope with that? you know what was Uh, working for you, if anything, and what wasn't, but what were sort of the strategies that you were employing to coexist uh, with that companion?
0: Yeah, so a lot of escaping (laughs) in any way that I could. So it was very external. It was very, um, just a lot of like big social life, um, doing things like everyone else. The interesting thing is actually it became so rooted in in who i was in relation to myself. So the interesting is the interesting thing is um when we're growing up especially i think through when you're a teenager you're kind of figuring out how to relate to yourself. And so how you see yourself and also how you see other people, how you relate to other people, what's my relationship to them? Um what are the roles that we're playing so that goes along with human nature a lot and, um, the social needs that we have, this need to belong, to be approved, to feel safe. All of this was just, I think most of us look for it in the wrong place. Um, we just never take an internal approach in that sense. And I, I really did the opposite of that. Like I really wasn't internal at all. I was trying to find those things in everything except for myself. So it was very toxic behavior. It was very, um, um, I honestly wouldn't say I was coping. I mean, I, I think I was surviving, but I wouldn't say that I was living. And this is one of my favorite, my favorite things to really, to really express because I really think that a lot of us are surviving. I really don't think a lot of us are truly living. Um, and I just think for most of my life, cause I'm still very young. So that was, Most of my life, I was just surviving and just passing time as best I could, like just escaping. I didn't want to take responsibility for my life. If you had told me that five years ago, I would have said, just let me just don't even um, just let me be like everyone else. I would have said, because I really, I really just wanted to belong. And I didn't know who I was without this, which is the interesting, which is where I wanted to get to. It became so essential for me, this sickness, to be this sick person that I actually realized, and this was one of my breaking points. I realized that I didn't know who I was without this. So it was this huge, it was this huge, um, negative thing in my life, being sick, and and everyone was just there was a lot of pity. Honestly, there was a lot of attention. I was very important. I felt very important because of that. I was kind of standing out because of that for the people in my life. I really, I was finding my place and this was the thing that made me get the attention that I I felt like I needed. So we have, everyone has different ways of getting attention when you need it. Um, And this was, this just became mine naturally. And I was not conscious of that at all. So I was actually very attached to this illness, to this sickness. I was very attached to it, and I didn't want to let it go because without it, who am I? And this this was so this was so powerful of a realization for me that it was this thing that I I didn't want in my life, but at a deeper level, I didn't know who I was without it. So actually, I did want it in my life, and I didn't want to let go, and I didn't want to change it. Yeah, it was huge.
2: Yeah, one thing I really. Appreciate about your description, Nina, is um, just the interlocking dynamics. You know, I mean, we—I think we often think, "Oh, I'm sick," you know, with X or Y, and it affects this particular part of my life. But in the story that you've just taken us into, you know, you can really see how it becomes, you know, very interconnected on all these different aspects of life and these different dimensions of life, and how you know a certain physical dynamic you're dealing with turns into a emotional and mental and also social experience and how your identity and identification gets wrapped up with that um and how it you know this supposedly limited thing actually ends up affecting everything um y- you mentioned reaching a breaking point and I'm kind of curious if you can, if you can take us towards that now, which is really around, you know, what changed what, what is it that led you in this experience that you were having um, and put you on the journey towards sitting here as you are today, talking about it in the past tense or um, sharing your experience with us. What, what happened that, creating an opportunity to break this cycle.
0: I love this. (laughs) Um, I really do. This is just like, this is amazing for me to go over because it's also just such a good reminder of, of how much everything has changed. Like I, I, yeah. Um, The break, like what led me to that breaking point was first of all, getting out of high school in high school I was just always surrounded and I was still living with my parents, well my either one and um I was always surrounded by people who would give me the attention that I thought I needed. So I was always getting a little bit pampered and getting like feeling important, feeling like I mattered because of this, so really reinforcing that part of my identity and really reinforcing um the attachment that I had to it. So I wasn't really reconsidering it that much. Like it was just Yeah, I just wasn't really asking myself if this was a problem that I was attached to it and I didn't even see that I was. Um, And what really changed is getting out of high school, I won't go through exactly what happened in my life, moving away and everything, but life kind of put me in a place where I just wasn't surrounded anymore. And I did kind of isolate myself a lot. Like I moved to Panama, a different country. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have my family around. And I was kind of confronted, not kind of, completely and utterly confronted with everything that I had created in my life because we are creators. And yeah, I was just like fully head on confronted with everything that I was attached to and so i was having these episodes but now i was by myself and i didn't know anyone i had a couple friends but they weren't really good friends um so i was just yeah i mean it it was it was a game changer for me to not get that attention and to really ask myself wait this is my life and it just changed everything because i i didn't have the attachment that I had to this and the, and the actual consequences that this illness was having in my life, like blocking me from pursuing my passion, which was, which has always been the ocean diving, marine biology, all of that. This illness was completely blocking me from this, um, in very, very serious ways. And I was seeing sort of isolated by myself, seeing the picture that was being painted of my life, my future, did this repetition thing of just you're going to be on painkillers half your life and you're probably going to be alone and have to sit with it and confront the fact that this is your life now and i just didn't want that life like it was a very hard thing to take um yeah i think that's what changed i was i had never been confronted with the implications and the consequences of of um this becoming my identity yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think in, in what you said, there are three points that really, really stuck out to me. You know, one was this point you made around we are creators, right? That we we play a role in the reality that we view to be our reality. You know, we had this whole episode called "Creating Your Own Reality," and that theme I think is one that's really easy to forget, right? That, uh, and I think especially when we're in that mindset of viewing life as something that's happening to us versus something that we are in dialogue with and concert with, that we're dancing with, right, that we're creating or influencing, at least in some way. Um, I think it can be a very tricky rabbit hole, right, if you're not viewing that level of agency or the, the fact that, hey, I influence life. I'm part of creating my own reality. Um, and then the other thing that really stuck out to me was when you said around uh, just, you know, what I took it as is, is that we have this like rooting in familiar patterns, right? And for you, it was this idea of uh, sort of almost the crutch of the attention that you were getting in your in your childhood, right? And, and I think even psychology talks about how we're raised in a certain environment, even when it's harsh at times or even when something is misaligned with our values, um, we get used to it. Right. Because, and there's a comfort in being rooted in a particular way of being. And, and sort of the third point that, that came to me there was uh, often what it takes, right, to see that, to see that, hey, we're, we're being rooted, we're following a familiar pattern is some sort of space, right, some sort of distance from that reality. And, and in your case, it was geographic, right, to start, it sounds like. You literally were in a very different place and that created the conditions to be able to step back and and, and to look at your life in a particular way. Um, for others that maybe don't have that luxury, right, there are just other ways to create space. Space can be as simple as a moment of stepping out of our experience and looking at it from the outside, right, all the way to moving Somewhere different and changing our environment. Um, and I think there's just something really powerful, even if it's simple, very powerful in that arc that you were describing, right? That, hey, there's space and an opportunity to look at your life and to identify the patterns that you had and how they were contributing uh, to the reality that that was your reality at that time. And so with all of that said, I would love to just continue the march down your story and understand, okay, now you're there, you're in this environment, you're seeing how these patterns are getting in the way of the reality uh, that you want to have, uh, getting in the way of the things you want to be doing. What came next, right? How did you uh, build on that awareness and and do something about it?
0: Yeah. So um, I think what really came next was a switch in the balance. Like, up until that point the need for attention and the need to belong and the need to be like everyone else and do the things everyone else was doing was kind of a little bit over um the health taking responsibility for my life and the health it was it was still a little bit more but the accumulation of just being in such a hopeless helpless alone state confronted with what i had created and what i had reinforced um for so long just being confronted with that slowly made the balance switch and i just remember a breaking point where i just felt like you know what it's just not worth it to belong because if belonging means so belonging to my age group belonging to human society in general with the activities with the drinking with the smoking with the the yeah the partying and and all the um all the unhealthy habits that we have in general and also just being an 18 year old or 19 year old That was, that was my breaking point. I was uh, 19. Yeah, I was 19. Um, I just realized that belonging just wasn't worth it anymore because if belonging meant that I was going to, I didn't know if I was going to die or not. Like every, every time I had a hemorrhage and, and every time, cause it got very, very serious. Like it got to the point where I had emergency surgery in panama in a hospital that had no water um and just the medical care was obviously very different than what i had experienced in canada so and i was alone at that time like i had a friend who i didn't very i didn't know very well and she was with me but i didn't speak spanish like it was a horror story and i realized that i was putting myself in that situation like i i just had no one else to blame anymore (laughs) And I had nothing to blame except myself. I really was reinforcing it. Um, And I was looking around, like you said, at my patterns and my habits. And I was just saying, man, I'm still doing this. Like, this is just not worth it. So, yeah, coming back from that, the emergency surgery was the breaking point. I would say the number one breaking point. Um, And I just felt like I don't want this life. If this is the life that I have, I don't want it. And I didn't know what else, right? This is something that I think a lot of people struggle with. You don't know what else there is because you've never had anything else. But you just know that this is not it. And you just can't continue with this. So anything else is fine. <laughs> so then you just come to like a surrendering moment where you just kind of open yourself up to possibilities, to change, to actually taking responsibility because you just, you just have enough of yourself because you're really... You're just starting to realize that you're not a victim. You are creating this and no one else is going to save you. I I think I waited for a long time for Western medicine to save me, for some magic doctor to come along and tell me exactly what I had and give me a treatment, Um, for my parents to save me, for the country, moving countries. I thought that would save me. I thought diving would save me, like just anything but myself, anything to avoid taking responsibility for myself. Um, So yeah, that was the first breaking point. And uh, I told my mom, because I was very close to her and still am, um, I told my mom, look, I give up. I tried to do it my way. (laughs) Um, And I just told her, I need your help. Like, I just, I don't want this life. And and so I did a lot of research. I found um, a professional or a professional, a specialist of endometriosis in France. I booked a flight to France. I changed my diet. And this is something I was resisting for a long time because endometriosis is inflammatory. Like it's an inflammatory disease. So anything inflammatory is going to make it worse, which is basically everything I loved like all the pleasure that i was getting from food and drinks was <laughs> illusory so it was just like the worst situation to actually come to that point where you're like okay i'm ready to give up everything i love <laughs> um because it's just not worth it so i really came to that point it took a while but i just surrendered to it and i said okay i'm done with yeah i'm not going to go through the list but most of the things that i really loved eating and drinking and doing were just out of they were out of the situation now. And I, I got that surgery um, and I completely changed my diet. They wanted me to um, do some chemotherapy so that it wouldn't come back. And I just, again, I was just like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna continue putting my body in that, in that state. Um, and after that surgery, it took another two years, I would say, for me to get to the point where I was going to change even more because it was start, I was still taking morphine and I was still taking painkillers every month, less, a lot less. And it did help, but I was still very dependent on the painkillers. Yeah. And then that takes us to recently. (laughs) I don't know if you want to jump in.
2: Wow. Yeah. So I think, um, One thing I'd be curious to hear more about Nina at this point is you said you reached out to your mom and there's elements around the personal responsibility component that I I think are really interesting and important. I'd love to check in about those later, but it sounds like, you know, you started in, in broadly speaking, you started to take that personal responsibility and, um, you know, get into some of the changes that were suggested, changing your diet, making these kind of more intensive interventions in your life. What was the role that your mom played or, you know, in, in reaching out and connecting with her? And I you know your mom is involved in wrenchway, and that system kind of started, you know, having an effect in your life. So how did that play a role in kind of taking the steps that you did?
0: Um, so basically my mom, okay, well, I'll just give a brief intro to to my mom um, with this because it it does tie in very, uh, very seriously to the lack of responsibility that I had. (laughs) Um, she actually had, um, also a health issue come up, a very serious health problem come up, uh, when I, about the same time that I was getting really sick. Um, I think it was a little bit before. So she, she had a health issue. I had no idea about this. She didn't tell us anything, but a friend of hers, I'll give a very brief um, explanation. A friend of hers gave her a book about Ren Shui, and she read it, started practicing, healed herself almost immediately. And it was something that was deemed incurable by Western medicine. Like they were telling her that there was a major surgery involved. There was a, there was a lot of um, just lack of understanding in general, I think, and they and she just healed herself in in a week, and the doctors even asked her for a book <laughs> because they just couldn't believe it. Um, and so I found out about this. I don't even know if she really told us about this right away. I think so. She just that's about the time that she started practicing and she started doing the teacher training and got really involved with it. And that was around the time that I was starting to get sick. So the interesting thing is, it's actually been, has actually been in my life for 10 years, like over 10 years, (laughs) but I've just seriously gotten involved with it for the past like two or three years, I would say, Um, maybe a little bit more. But we've been talking about it for a long time, my mom and I. Like this is this has been our life for a long time, and so she basically now the way that I see it is that she was she saw me go through all of this, and she was just in the beginning she really was pushing it. She was just saying, try it, like just read a book, do do some practice. I'll teach you some movements. Just try it. And this was the the yuan the yuan gong qigong um, movements, but at that time it was still xin and qigong. So. Um yeah, she was trying to like teach me some moves. I remember being um just in a ball on my bed crying and screaming, and she would say, get up and push the mountain. <laughs> like, like do these do these qigong exercises. And I just wanted to punch her. Like I I I was so angry with her that <laughs> with, that she didn't understand. This is the thing. She wasn't she's actually one of the only people who didn't really give me that attention and like the victimhood that i was looking for which of course my patterns were looking for that not my actual need of to grow because i that attention that i wanted from other people it was not healthy at all like this was this was an attachment that i was creating and i just remember being very angry with her because i didn't feel like she was giving me that um because she knew that you can change your life if you really take responsibility. So she wasn't really pitying me at all. She was there for me. She was supporting me, helping me when I needed it. And um we had a lot of problems at some point because I was just telling her basically, just let me suffer. Like give me my give me my drugs and my morphine and let me suffer and just just sit there and just support me, but don't don't try to fix it. Like I it was so it's so interesting to see that now that i really was resisting this this solution um from myself because she wasn't handing me a magic pill she was telling me you can change your life if you take responsibility for it and i just wanted the easy i wanted the magic pill i wanted the easy solution and at the same time i had this very strong attachment to the attention that i was receiving So I guess unconsciously also, I was thinking, or I was feeling that if I fixed the problem, I wouldn't be getting this attention anymore. And who, right? It comes back to who am I without this, which I didn't know. Um, So yeah, for a very long time, my mom was basically offering me the golden key. And I just, I just wasn't ready for it. I really, I really needed to come to that breaking point myself and... The chi field, which for people who don't know what that is, um, uh, the, the the information of this system, this wrenchway system, and the practice behind it was just so strong. The support that my mom, my mom was going through big changes in her life. She completely changed her life. She was an example to me. She became an example of what I could be and how life can be a very healthy, positive growing happy, um, just positive life. Like it I really didn't have that many examples around me of such a positive, healthy, happy life. And she really took that role with the work that she was doing on herself. So when I came to that breaking point, I also had this, this is why I called her and said, listen, I'm ready to, I'm ready to start changing, because she had already changed her life and she was in the process of doing that. So she was showing me all these years what was sort of the, the, a different possibility about life. And, um, I just came to a breaking point where I said, okay, I want, I want that. I want a healthy, happy life. I'm ready to let go of all the rest. Like I, I'm done with, yeah, I'm done with this attachment.
1: This point around, um, personal responsibility, right. That you've been coming back to a lot, Nina, is really feels like the core message, here is like, hey, you know, we, we have this agency and that agency comes from feeling a sense of responsibility and ownership over what we create, right? And, and I'd love to dig into that a little bit with you. Um, you know, in, in your experience, it sounds like there was a breaking point, right, that really made it almost clear or, or, or not, you know, of like, hey, if I keep going down this path, It's not worth it. I can't. I I don't want this path anymore. I need to look at something different. And so I'm. And and that produced the conditions of readiness, right? I think you use the word I was ready for something different. Um, and, and I love the way that you have contextualized that now in terms of your story. You're like, hey, all of it, everything that happened to me was what I needed to become ready, right? And that's such a like beautiful rewriting of that. Of that experience, right, or not even rewriting, but uh, characterization of that experience. And so, I have two questions for you. Uh, one is, do you believe that a breaking point, you know, is necessary, right, to to produce that shift from one of passive survivorship to active responsibility and ownership of of our life? Um, And then the second is just like describing the experience of personal responsibility, right? What does it feel like to be able to have that that energy flowing through you, right? To a point where you're willing or able to let go of all the things you love, right? As you were describing it earlier. And I'd love to just have you characterize or fill out the experience of, of feeling personal responsibility.
0: Yeah. Um, so the first one, the breaking point. Actually, someone asked me this a few months ago, and I thought it was such an interesting question. It's kind of the same thing. He, he asked me, "Do you think suffering is necessary in order to come to, to change, to, to really change your life? Do you think you need to suffer in order to really change your life?" Um, I'll just start by saying, I I'm still very ignorant. <laughs> in everything i have so much to learn and i need to grow so like ridiculous amount like this is a lifelong work it's never nothing is ever um gotten like you ne- you can never get anything you can always learn more about it and it's just a never ending process um but i really personally believe and this is something that I've been noticing around me, too, with people in my life, people I'm meeting, people I'm talking to. The suffering is a reason to change. Um, and it's just not going to happen on its own. So when I sometimes I tell like I I don't really talk about myself that much. But if when I do get into my personal story and people tell me, oh, I'm so sorry that you've been all of, in through all of that and that you've experienced that at such a young age. I it makes me smile so much because I, I genuinely feel in love with everything that I experienced. Like I feel in love with oh with all the suffering that I experienced. I just can't, I can't believe how lucky I was to get to this point at such a young age because I think and even the age doesn't matter, but I have in this life I mean, I'm not getting here when I only have like 30 years left, right? Like I'm, I'm really getting to this point where I'm ready to change my life and really work on myself at a, a, an age where I have a lot of room to grow <laughs> still. Like I still have a lot of um, marge, margin. So yeah, I do, I do think that suffering is necessary up to a certain point. I don't think there's going to be any real fundamental change if there's no problems involved or suffering involved. And the interesting thing is it, it also comes down to awareness because it depends on your definition of suffering. If you're comparing the normal state of a human life in terms of the, the majority, I would say the majority of human beings are constantly suffering but they just have no reference to what it is to be in a good state. The state of constant pressure and stress and and attachments and all the patterns that are in our life all the time guiding our life, the expectations that we carry with us, the fear that we carry with us is constant. It's manifesting on different levels and in different ways in different human beings but this is what makes us sick. And I would say it's very rare to meet someone who, very rare to meet someone who is genuinely, seriously healthy and happy for their whole life. Like they can, and I, um, I don't remember what this expression is. It's um, like the ignorant, the more ignorant you are, the happier you are kind of thing. Um, I just don't believe that's true. I just, I think the more ignorant you are, the more of a victim you are. Um, but there's the whole law of cause and effect and consequence that happens and the continuation of life, reincarnation, you can call it whatever. I don't, for me, it's an objective reality. Like this is not the one life that we have. And then we just disappear and vanish out of thin air. No, there's a continuation. Um, and that kind of ties into the experiences that you're going to have in this life. Like There is nothing, I was 13 years old when I started being very sick. There's just nothing that happened from zero to 13 that could have made me, like there's just no root cause. You can't tie it back to this life. Um, So that's a very long answer to say, yes, I think suffering is necessary. I think a breaking point is necessary in order to, it's kind of a surrendering movement. And it also goes into um, an analogy that I love, when your cup is full, there's no room for more. So if your cup is full of all the activities and all the distractions and all the attachments and all the identity that you have, if, if you're full of that, there's just no room for change. And in, until you really pour some out, which is the surrendering movement, the breaking point, the releasing, um, the, the need for change is just emptying some of that some of the, the, that water out of your cup and making room for change. So yeah, definitely necessary at some point. Um, and then the second one was about personal responsibility. Um,
2: I, I can jump in there. Um, cause I, would like to kind of deepen this, this inquiry into personal responsibility a bit and, and also share maybe some, uh, I don't know, s- skeptical voices or, or perspectives that we haven't really surfaced in the conversation yet. Um, so uh, I, I'm just curious, you know, I, I think Rahul was asking you for a description of more of, of what that personal responsibility really looks like. And I think alongside that, what I would ask is, um, when does personal responsibility, uh, when, when might it be problematic? Or um another way of of saying this would be you know i can imagine a lot of folks listening to this or people i know in my life um or parts of myself right that that see that look at taking personal responsibility um with some suspicion you know like within the story that you've laid out Nina maybe we're more identified with the victimhood of you know life happening to me um but also there's some truth to that. Uh, I, if I speak from within that frame of reference that I can't control everything. Um, life does happen to me. Um, you know, like the the weather comes in and I, I don't control that. You know, I, I don't necessarily control who ends up showing up in my life or if I go out and some You know, unexpected misfortune happens. God forbid. You know, and there's a there's an accident, or you know that that some stuff just happens. Or, or to take another vein, that yeah, maybe nothing happened in your life from zero to thirteen to kind of cause this event, the 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 physical illness that you developed. But maybe there isn't no explanation for, it. you know, maybe it's not a, a past life thing or something that happened. It's just, or, you know, that that you're responsible for or guilty for. It's just something that happened because that's what happens with human bodies. And, you know, th- there's just kind of some randomness in life. And so I, I'm wondering if you could kind of walk us through that, because I think, and, and try to disentangle some of these ideas, because I would think, Personally, there's some elements of truth to that. But at the same time, the approach, the stance in life that you've been able to arrive to sounds like it has been incredibly empowering and it's facilitated health. It's facilitated uh, a positive experience of life. And that's, I think, what we're all going for, right? So I guess my question in there, building on what Rahul's asked you know, around just coloring in this experience of personal responsibility is, um, when is it a healthy version of that? And when are, is it maybe bleeding into something that is shouldering too much of a burden or yeah, put, putting too much blame upon ourselves.
0: (laughs) This is huge. (laughs) It's a huge topic. Um, so yeah. It's important to it's important to get into that control thing. Like you said, we cannot control everything. Actually, the only thing that you can truly control is yourself. And what's interesting about this sense of personal responsibility is there's also with that kind of a letting go of this. And I'm not saying I did it. <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, there's a need to really let go of of this fear that, I can't remember the quote, but it's kind of people thinking that the universe is out to get you. It's not out to get you. (laughs) It's just not. Um, And if you really look, I think most people, if they get to, I hope most people get to a point in their life where they can look back and truly appreciate everything that has happened to them or for them, depending on how you look at it, I really see that things have happened for me, not to me. And I used to this goes with the victimhood. I used to feel like things were just happening to me. Um but the thing is it's it's really not personal responsibility or at least in my in my view it's really not about controlling your life, it's about controlling yourself internally. So it's really about getting into understanding there is no um this polarized thinking that we have, that something happens and it's a bad thing and it shouldn't have happened. What makes you think that? Really getting down into questioning every single judgment that you make about your life. Why do you think that's a bad thing? If you judge it as a bad thing, you're you're actually closing yourself off to the opportunity of turning it into something that can help you grow. You're putting it in a box of, that shouldn't have happened, that's bad you're closing yourself off. You're actually just digging a hole and trapping yourself in it. This is something that Yuan Se says, the, the founder of Wrenchway <laughs> And I love it. You are digging a hole and trapping yourself in it. Like if you see everything in life as a thing that has happened, then you can learn from anything and grow from anything and really use anything to, to just... Yeah, I don't know how to say it better to just grow like nothing is a bad thing Everything can turn into a good thing or if we don't even have to say it's a good thing It's just a thing that you can use for your healthy development Um, So that personal responsibility is really also about just letting go of control of anything That happens around you to you for you, whatever the only thing you can truly control is your state and how you see things, your worldview, how you view yourself, your relationship to yourself, your relationship to other people in your life, to the universe, to the the things that happen in your life. You can't control them, but you can you can decide how you see them and how you relate to them. And you can turn it into a positive thing for growth. And this is such a such a golden key that I just love because of course we can't control the weather, and of course we can't control if some, I'm walking down the street, someone comes over and hits me on the head with a brick, like, and I'm in the hospital for a week. You would, right? You would be like, why? (laughs) But maybe you have, we're just so ignorant. And I, and I love how ignorant we are because it also means we have so much to learn and we can grow so much. And it's so inspiring. Like if we knew, if we knew things in a definitive way, it would, it would be kind of depressing because then there's just no movement. There's no growth possible. But everything is open. And <laughs> if you want to, yeah, if you want to kind of joke about it, like that brick example or someone just hitting me in the street when I don't know them and I have no idea why it happened, you have no idea if if that didn't happen. Maybe you get run over by a car in like the next five minutes, but you were not in that place because of what happened so it's actually the universe kind of saving you in that sense and that kind of brings so you 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 just have no idea and people who really try to get into why things happen it's it can be an issue because you're really getting into our ignorance and we don't know what we have caused and this is actually i'm getting back into what you were saying about um this life or past lives the cause of things everything has a cause and an effect everything has a consequence and i understand that some people are still thinking or still (laughs) some people think that things can happen randomly i just have never i i just have never connected with that there is a reason for everything and if you don't see the reason give it a reason And in this sense, because if you think things are random, you're just going to be a victim your entire life. You can't grow from anything, but if you see everything that happens as an opportunity to really grow and learn, then you are taking charge and responsibility for yourself, your life, and for other people around you. So this cause and effect thing, it doesn't matter if what happened to me very young comes from a past life. It doesn't matter. What matters is that there has been a cause and an effect And me getting sick in this life is linked to that law. It has been a consequence. And I'm every single second of my life, every single moment, I am creating more effects and more causes. And this is constant. So I think it's so important to really be aware of what you're creating in every moment with your thoughts, with your actions, with your your feelings, your relationships, just everything has a consequence. So you really, awareness is very, very crucial in that sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Nina, I think what was just so, uh, so many rich points in what you just said, and, and even some things that maybe I don't fully align with, the way you talked about it sort of brought me back to some... Uh, points around reality that I've really been pondering and trying to practice over the last couple of years, right? So one is this idea of balancing responsibility or a sense of personal personal responsibility with what I would describe as equanimity, right? Which is, hey, I'm going to do what I should be doing based on my sense of responsibility, based on what I think is right. And I also recognize that I can't control, right? And and responsibility and control, it, it can be a very fine line as you, as you really went into. And then the other part of that, other side of the equation that I think enables some of that letting go of what's happening is what I would describe as opening up to cosmic beauty, right? This idea that, hey, you said, hey, that there's always a cause and effect, that there's the universe acting in a certain way, right? And and I, again, this is where maybe I don't fully, maybe I'm not at a stage where I fully believe that, hey, everything is happening according to some reason or some cause and effect. And you know, I do believe very much in randomness. Um, but I think the the piece that you mentioned, hey, if, if you don't believe in cause and effect, if you don't think there's a reason for something, make your own reason. And that I fully, fully, fully believe in, you know, like this idea that, hey, we have the ability to choose the narratives that we operate from, uh, the belief systems that we operate from, the reasons that we think something is happening. And I think it's a very uh, empowering way to move through the world. You know, And often when I have this conversation with some people, uh, th- there's a degree of maybe agreeing with it and then a, a degree of also like, yeah, but, you know, you can't just always give something a reason, right? Sometimes I just want to be mad. Sometimes I just want to be sad. Sometimes I want to just indulge in in the narrative of, hey, this happened to me, right? And even to that, I'd say, okay, that's also okay. You know, it's not like we have to be operating from this place 100% of the time. But there really is something, you know, to being able to interpret um, Happenings and to interpret life and to interpret things that are taking place, you know, in the way that serves us, right? And that's aligned with the way that we're moving uh, through the world. And so I just want to appreciate that message and and that reminder because it's definitely something that I myself am am trying to practice more, you know, and and stay connected to uh, as a learning, you know, in in, in my own life. Um, And so, with that said, you know I'd love to uh, actually turn it to you, Gabe, to see if you have any questions that are emerging for you because I'm still just absorbing <laughs> and connecting with everything Nina just said.
2: Yeah, no th- thanks for just sharing your reflections, Rahul. And I think that um, I what it brings up for me is is like the experience of negativity and um you, you talked about polarized thinking nina um and i i think we get into these kind of fixed expectations we've talked about victimhood on the show of of what we're owed how things should be and that ultimately there's kind of just you you have an opportunity and that's where the personal responsibility comes in as you were saying Nina, to to control your own state to decide how you're going to relate to the moment to the experience and yeah, like some of those examples you gave Rahul of, uh, yeah, but I just want to be in, I, I just want to be pissed off. I, I just want to be in, um, <laughs> the, the crappy experience of my life. Um, and that that's okay. Right. There, there's some space for that, but I'm just kind of, I'm really struck by that. Um, I'm thinking about that in my own life with challenges that I face narratives that I can get into where I just start to feel. E- well i mean i just start to feel bad i just start to feel negative um and there's all sorts of different specif- specific you know reasons for that or examples or i have like the stories that are going in my head but underneath it's just that there is this underlying like the whole the quality of the entire reflection is negative it's it's about suffering it's the experience of suffering and um What I hear in what you've described, Nina, is getting to a breaking point with that, where you're able to kind of see that clearly, and regardless of the circumstances or what's created it or why it's happening, all these things, that you're giving yourself a reason to relate positively to your experience, to your present moment, and the opportunity for what can come going forward, you know, and and the recognition that in this present moment, I can create something that's going to positively uplift my life immediately and create a ripple effect going forward. Or I can stew in this and keep uh, feeling, you know, shitty and and kind of have life continue on that way. And, you know, when I look at examples from my own life, and then people I know in my own life, um, and some of those examples you just gave Rahul, the stories you've shared, Nina, I just think this is something that, really confronts i know me personally every day all the time and and we have that choice in front of us of what we what we do and i think um for a lot of us myself included there can just be so much resistance to that of not wanting to or being willing to get out of the negativity or maybe maybe saying how maybe we don't we don't know how maybe there's some ignorance involved but also, just that, as you said, Nina, the, um, the negativity can be very comfortable and reassuring, you know, because it's, it's familiar, it's what we know, and, and we get certain things from it. And so, I guess what I would ask you, Nina, is um, for those of us out there who are struggling with that, who find ourselves in those, you know, seemingly trapped by those repetitive voices um, and that experience of negativity what can we do, you know, like, like very specifically, what, what can help shake us out of that and, and say, Hey, like, try this. There's something different. There's a different opportunity, different experience of life that's available to you. Um, what would you say for people struggling in that experience?
0: The thing that comes up right away is examples. This is huge. Because when you were saying negativity is very comfortable, what I was also hearing and getting from that and really is just, is crucial is that negativity is common. Like that's just the world we live in. And that's just the norm. When someone passes away, it's normal to be very upset about it, cry. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't, (laughs) but I'm just saying the normal situation when something considered negative or bad or something that shouldn't have happened the reaction is always negative and this is reinforced if you want to just talk about this lifetime it's reinforced your entire life if you live with these examples which the majority of human society is like this so the majority of human beings grow up with this these examples um and then if you want to get into the past lives how many lives has this been reinforced that this is a negative thing that happened Negative. negative, negative. But the objective view of life, again, it's not polarized. Something seemingly negative can turn into a wonderful thing. Something that seems good can turn into something that is very bad for you. And this is just so... It's so hard to impose a value judgment when we operate based on ignorance. Because... We really have no idea about the laws of human life. We really have no idea how the consciousness works, not in a true, real way. So, of course, we're trapped in these patterns. It's just normal, and I have some people in my life that tell me, well, I just can't get out of this. Like, I don't understand how to change, and this is so hard, and I'm just like, yes. Yes. It's very hard. <laughs> That's not like I'm working on it constantly every day. I can see myself also trapped in some old patterns still that I'm very much working on. Um, yeah. Just a side note. The, one of the big things that it's changed for me is that I'm extremely joyful and happy to do this work now. And in the beginning, before you really get into it, it can seem overwhelming and it can seem like. I don't I don't even want to try because it's just so huge like because you you just get so trapped in it and you just don't see a way out which is fair enough because coming back cycling around if we don't have those examples it's just not going to happen you're not going to invent it out of thin air you know and this <laughs> this is what my mom gave me and then when I really got into this taking responsibility I started going to retreats and like I, I started reading a book actually from Ren Shui and from UNC and um, just started understanding all of this and it really it really just changed everything it was mind-blowing I fell in love with it right away because I was understanding how he he really it really says how hard it is and it says why it's so hard and I I love it. Like it's just, it in a way, it's really reassuring because it's not something that's telling you, you can change, it's easy if you want to. No, it's very hard. <laughs> it's the work of a lifetime. It's never over. But you, once you start understanding and having access to those tools, it really becomes more joyful. I'm not gonna say easy. <laughs> it really becomes more joyful and it really becomes just something that's so beneficial to yourself and and you can see these changes in your life like i i can't even really put myself back a couple years ago cuz i just i have no reference to that life anymore i really it's so many things have changed and i yeah it's just mind blowing honestly and i have such a long way to go i can't put myself in a few years like who knows um but i really want to touch on one thing about this negativity and these patterns in general You cannot change anything if you don't have, well, an example, as I said, but a reference to the laws of life. So if you don't have healthy standards and healthy values to base those changes on, they're not going to come from your imagination. I think a lot of people try to change based off what they think should be a positive thing or should be right. But that mainly comes from the imagination. And again, if we don't have an example of a real positive beneficial value, for example, like what is truly beneficial to life? If I ask this question to someone in the street who's never studied any or or really learned about anything or had any examples of a truly healthy, happy person, this person is going to give me their opinion subjective which is just going to be based on their imagination. So it's very hard to change if you don't have those objectively healthy, beneficial standards and criteria. And that comes from and only comes from truly understanding how human life works and how do we grow in a beneficial and positive way. It just can't come from the mind. Like we can't invent that understanding.
1: Thank you, uh, Nida, for for that, and and you know everything you were just saying uh, got me thinking about the 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 like Buddhist framework, right? Of of this idea of you know you, you seek education and understanding, right? What you just said, you have to study, you have to engage in that process. Uh, ideally, you have a teacher, you know, sort of the second pillar. That's that's part of that, and then the third is community, right? And I take your word. Uh, example to really be indicative of, in some ways, also of community, right, to being surrounded by the examples that um, that really reinforce, you know, the direction that you want to be going in. And so, uh, you know, just looking that we've uh, come out, uh, across time here, and I just really want to thank you, Nina, for a very, very rich conversation uh, and for a rich reminder, right, of all these uh, various concepts the many many concepts that we explored and uh, really want to thank you especially for sharing your story uh, in all of the details and everything that you've gone through there's uh, a lot of learning uh, you know a lot of inspiration a lot of example of resilience and of course personal responsibility uh, that that, you know I think we can draw from so uh, just just thank you thank you for being a part of this.
0: Thank you so much. This was, yeah, this was great. I really, I really think it's so important, all of this, like really talking about this stuff, getting it out there and giving people some hope that you really can change anything. Like it really, yeah. So thank you for letting me be a part of this.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Nina. Um, So yeah, thank you. Just echoing what Rahul said, just thank you so much. And for folks who are listening to us today, um, you know, I think Rahul and I both hope <clears throat> that this has been a, <clears throat> excuse me, that this has been a nourishing and helpful conversation for you as you think about your own life um, and, and where you're at and the pathway to uplifting it. Um, and so if you enjoy listening to us or you think this episode could be beneficial to someone in your life please share it with them. Um, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And most importantly, just uh, try to share the, the messages of this, this episode and your own grappling with it, your own reflections with someone in your life um, and stimulate these kind of conversations in the world and in your own change and growth process. Um, you can always join our newsletter, as always, to follow along on the journey. It's linked in the show description. We'll also provide there some links about Renshui and Nina's work with Renshui of the Americas. Um, so, until next time, we just want to say thanks again for tuning in with us. Uh, check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us as well on YouTube these days, with um, both long form episodes and highlight reels of our shows. And with that, we will catch you out there next time. Thanks so much for joining us and take care. Bye-bye.